put Sam and Dan back with the discipleship garage. Hey everybody, we're back and um, today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 31 through 38. We're going to change things just a little bit from the way we've been doing things. We've been kind of going and talking on um, through some different topics with a handful of different scriptures and it's one of those things I just really kind of was reading and studying the past week or so and just kind of felt a conviction that we kind of really need to like, instead of just like jumping from verse to verse to verse, kind of grab some passages and kind of unpack them a little bit more than just than just jumping around. We want to kind of keep things in context a little bit. So that's what we're going to do as we look at Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Before we jump in, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we just so thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that teaches us and guides us in all things. And Lord, I would just ask right now that you would send your spirit to surround each and every one of us, each and every person listening, that you would open our ears, our hearts to hear and understand what it is you have to say to us, God, not just learn with our minds, but actually receive into our hearts what it is that you would have us see of you, to know of you, and to help us to learn to follow after you better. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'll lead our lead our conversations and help us to know exactly what to say, that every word we speak would be from you and not from our opinions or our ideas, but from your word, from your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Um, and this is what it says. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and he had looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, or he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. So there's a lot going on in here. Sam, is there anything that jumped out to you right off the bat? The being rejected part, like at the at the very beginning where he is speaking about being rejected by the elders and the the chief priests because like people like some people that call people that you think are brothers and brothers and sisters in Christ may not be brothers and sisters in Christ and they 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 might be like the elder the elders and chief priests and they might reject you so i i, I guess i I'm trying to get at, like, it's okay if people that you thought were brothers and sisters in Christ aren't, and if they reject you, that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what that's what we see Jesus um, telling me because he's inviting people to follow him, but he's also saying what's going to happen. I mean, and, and but Peter didn't even, didn't even like this. I mean, Jesus went through and said all this stuff was going to happen, that he was going to die and he was going to raise again, and then Peter grabs him and pulls him aside. And, and, and Peter's telling Jesus this isn't going to happen. Peter's getting on Jesus. Um, and then, I mean, and really we kind of see in verse 33 kind of where things, where the thinking gets wrong. In verse 33, um, uh, it says, but when he had 
it says, after Peter grabbed and rebuked Jesus, Jesus some. It says, but when he turned around and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. So Peter was actually, he, he called them Satan, but I went, my mind says that he wasn't actually, that Peter wasn't actually Satan, that Peter was actually, um, he was actually addressing the spirit with, that Peter was thinking, that would think was influencing Peter, because Peter was definitely speaking um, some demonic and devilish stuff, um, telling Jesus that the things that Jesus said are going to happen aren't. Um, but we see why he did it. It's that last verse. He says, you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. So Peter was thinking like a man. He was thinking about what's going to work best for him, what's going to what what's going to benefit him the best. <clears throat> I mean, really, his life hadn't been had probably had never been better. He's with Jesus. He's got all these people walking around, all this popularity, and he's he's doing these miracles, and he's got all these things going on, and he's afraid that if Jesus leaves, well, that's the end of it. Um, but Jesus had a bigger picture in mind, and that's really kind of what Jesus is calling out there. He says, "Get behind me." Um, you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So when we deal with those people that will reject us, um, kind of push us aside, um, maybe do all sorts of interesting things to us. Because, I mean, the scriptures also says there's there's a time coming when we're going to be persecuted. There's people all across the world right now. I mean, there's people giving their lives for their faith right now. Um, there's people that have died today because of their belief in Jesus. Um, and we don't we don't experience that. We What we see as persecution is people picking on us and not liking us is really the extent of majority of our persecution. Um, it's nothing like what Jesus experienced. It's nothing like what um, our brothers and sisters around this world are experiencing. Um, but when we get into that, really, it, it, check our, we need to check our mindset. Because if we're taking those things personal, then, we don't have, then we're not thinking about the things of God. We're thinking about how that affects us and how that kind of moves on. Does, does that make sense to you, Sam? Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add to that? Really. Gotcha. So we'll kind of keep on moving on through there. Because um, then we hit verse 34, which we talked about in the last one. It's a verse that I've talked about a lot. Um, it says, it's Jesus saying, whoever desires to come after me must first deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So we come out of the spot where he's saying, he's telling Peter, you don't have in mind the things of God. You're worried about the things of men. And then he says, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to put all that stuff of man away. Um, and you got to pick up your cross and follow me. Um, I think we, we talked about that one quite a bit last time. Is there anything you want to add to that first before we move on? Um, no, okay. nothing that I can think of. Because uh, then we jump into verse, thir um, we'll jump into verse 35. Um, and one of the things I noticed as I was reading through it, these passages is, I've heard a lot of these verses a lot, but usually like on their own. You hear verse 33 on its own, verse 34 on its own. Then you get like 35, 36, and 37 kind of get grouped together. Um, but then 38, you, you, you kind of hear them all pulled apart, but it actually adds even more weight when you kind of put them all together and keep them in context of what's going on. So verse 35 picks up, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Um, just a couple words to point out. We've got the words save and the words lose. The word save in this passage um, a little bit bigger definition. It definitely means to save, but it means to save, to keep safe, and to keep sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. So it's a little bit bigger than just, oh, this is safe. It's it's avoiding destruction. It's it's keeping it keeping back from from danger. Um, 
And then the word lose is actually a word that means to destroy, to perish, to be lost, ruined, or to put out of the way entirely. So that word lost, it's a little more significant than, oh, I lost, oh, I lost a quarter. Oh, I lost my wallet. Um, This is, this is something that carries destruction and ruin in its meaning. Um, But it says, "Whoever, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. So whoever desires to keep their life free from harm, free from danger, um, to keep things tucked away in that nice little safe, comfortable spot, it actually says we'll destroy our lives that way. When we keep things back, when we try and do it, when we try and kind of keep things all safe and sound. Um, but whoever actually like puts their life totally aside and just kind of lays it out there, um, for Jesus' sake and the gospel, will save it. Um, Sam, what do you think that? How do you think that kind of like plays out in our lives in a day-to-day basis? Because it's great to read, but then we've got. But if it doesn't actually leave with us and actually help us in our day, it's not really doing us any good. So what are some of your thoughts on how this really kind of applies day to day? I think that it it applies day to day because if you want to save your life, you have to talk about another life, which was Jesus's life. Okay. I I guess what I'm trying to get at right now, um, and if you, and if, like, and the, say the part in 34, where it says for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, it, I, I don't, I, I think in that one it's not really talking about, like, a destruction, I think, I personally think it, it means physically, not, well, not always physically, but like fleshly, like lose your flesh, mm-hmm. and, and then that's kind of how you start saving stuff, like, I, no, I think, I think I see what you're saying, Yeah. where it says whoever loses his life for my sake will save, or in the gospel's sake will save it. Yeah, I mean that's exactly you. You got it exactly right. It's putting off our flesh. It's putting off those those desires that come naturally, those things that we naturally want. Putting those things off, and seeking Jesus, following after Him, and following after what He wants instead of what we want. It's it's that really kind of laying our lives down. It, it's where that where that other part of that definition comes in to put it out of the way entirely. We put our lives out of the way to embrace His and walk in whatever it is that He wants for us. I mean, then we move on and it says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I mean, really, what if we gain all the money, all the wealth, the best house, that car that you want? You've got your own private jet, maybe your own private yacht, but you don't have Jesus. You've got, I mean, really, you've got something that's fairly insignificant. I mean, how big, I mean, how big do you think our life really is in the grand scheme of all of eternity? A little it's a little, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a little speck. It's, it's a little speck on the windshield. I like that. It's just this little blip on, in, in light. The, the time we have on this earth is, it's a little blip. It's, I mean, it's barely a blip in the mark of all of eternity. Um, but yet we spend so much of our time just grasping after things and stuff that doesn't actually really matter or bring life. Um, so it really does pose the question. And folks, I'd really like encourage you to like, just think about that question for a minute is what will it profit me or you? What will it profit us if we gain 
the world, all those things that we've got, that we've got our five-year and our 10-year plans for, all those things that we're, that we're fighting for, that we're working that overtime for, all those things, what if we gain those things? But in the midst of that, we actually miss out on the things that are important and actually miss out um, on Christ and actually lose our soul. Um, and actually 37 makes it a little more powerful. Sam, you want to read 37 for us? Uh, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And that's a, that's a question. That's probably a question that's good to ask. Because I mean, I think, I mean, so many people think, oh, I'd never sell my soul. I'd never sell my soul. Reality is, I think there's more people doing it probably every day than we realize. What do you think that looks like in real life when, for, for those people that are just, that would say, no, I'd never sell my soul, but they may very well be running around doing something that does. What would that look like? What are some of the things that would fall into that category? Well, I think so many people think is selling their soul is like just straight up witchcraft. But okay. that in my in my mind that that's not just it. It's constant. It's just having a sinful routine every single day, and you do it over and over and over. And that isn't and then you just get comfortable with it and you're like this is never going to change and you don't seek god to change it yeah i mean and it can really it, it could be it is it could just be that simple it's just getting into it's just kind of falling into those routines that god's not in it's those things in life that we just go through we just go through it's it's what i want it's what feels right it's what feels good and at some point in some point in time along the way there's a conviction that says hey you really probably shouldn't be walking the road. You really shouldn't be doing this. But then we're just like, eh, it's okay for today. Or God will forgive me. Or I'll get right sometime. And, and each one of those steps, it's really us. It, it's it's selling off. It's selling off a part of us. And, and the reality is our soul is not even ours to sell. It belongs to God. But what we choose to do with it, we can actually sell it out. And it's and it's not even that you're selling your soul to the devil like we hear and like you hear in movies and, and in the witchcraft thing. It's just you're selling your soul to the world. You're selling yourself to everything that you're not created to be. I mean, it's when we talk about identity and we look at identity, we see that Jesus actually paid such a huge price for us, but yet we're selling ourselves cheap for a weekend's pleasure, maybe a fast car, maybe a little bit more money in the bank. And we're really just ignoring and neglecting Jesus in the midst. And it brings us to verse 38 where it says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I mean, and really it's... What do you think about being ashamed of Jesus? What do you think, what do you think that means for you, Sam? Before I jump in, I got a thought, but I want to hear what you got to think. Well, what, would it, what would it look like for me to be ashamed of Jesus? Not speaking it out and telling people about him or like scared what people are going to think. So you just keep your mouth shut and not say anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you, you're absolutely right on both parts. And, and that second part kind of leads into like what kind of what I was thinking. It's like, because it's not just a matter of, oh, I'll speak out. I'll speak out because I mean, I've met some people that they're more than happy to get in your face and talk about Jesus. Um, saying that they're not ashamed of him. But the reality is, while they might want to get up in your face and tell you all about Jesus and tell tell you how bad of a sinner you are, if you look at their lives, their life itself doesn't really look much like Jesus. 
So when we get this, when we get this, it's a really a matter of, okay, so not being ashamed isn't just, oh, I'm going to shout about Jesus. I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus, but it's actually, I'm willing to live him. I'm actually willing to live different, to stand out, to stand out and be different from other people, because that's where the ridicule, ridicule comes. That's where the persecution that we feel in our country comes when, um, when the boss tells us to sit down and shut up or, um, our coworkers are like, turn that music down there. Or, or why do you got to be like that? Or you, you, you catch crap for not doing the stuff that all the other kids in school are doing or something like that. It's, it, it, it's, are we going to not just be able to proclaim his word and proclaim his name, but are we actually going to live the life he paid for us for? Because if here's a, here's a thought you've never gotten an ugly sweater from like from somebody, but there's that there's, there's those gifts. You see it all on all the Christmas shows where someone like takes the time and makes this, they think it's this great gift and they give it to a little kid. And it's like the most hideous thing you've ever seen. And they've got to wear it for Christmas and they take it off and they throw it and they never wear it again. Well, they're ashamed of what they've received. They're ashamed of what it looks like. And we can do that with Jesus, with what he, he paid a price to give us a gift. And just because we're willing to say, oh yeah, that's Jesus. It's like saying, oh yeah, that's my grandma. Oh yeah, that's my grandma but we're not willing to actually put on the gift that she made us. So yeah, you can say, yeah, that's my grandma. That's my grandma. But you're still ashamed of that gift that she gave. And we can do the same thing with Jesus. We can shout about him all day long and tell people about him all day long. But are we really that willing to actually pick up and actually boldly and proudly wear the life that he paid for? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I would just really encourage you all to like read through this a little bit and just kind of like let it soak in. What does it actually look like for you to follow after Jesus, to actually surrender to him, put yourself aside, deny yourself and actually follow him and think about what the cost is. What's the cost of doing that? But what's the cost of not doing that? Because really it comes down to the end for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We've got a limited time, just a speck of existence on this earth, not only to get right with God, but to actually live a life that actually shines his light and actually leads others towards him. And that's what we're here for, to shine his light, to be his image. Um, Folks, thanks for tuning in with us. Sam, would you pray us out? Yep. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful time that we got to spend in your word. Help this encourage people out there and just help them share your word and not be ashamed of the gospel or you. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great day. Do so.